70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of Global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world. Bonjour, je m'appelle Aram Kim. Je travaille en tant qu'interprète traductrice et vis actuellement entre Paris et Séoul. Alors, mes premiers souvenirs avec Hi, my name is Aram Kim and I'm an interpreter working in Seoul and Paris. My ties with KBS World Radio date back to 2005. Back then, I was living in France and always felt homesick and thirsty for content from Korea. That is why I started to tune in to KBS World Radio to catch up with the news from home and learn about various areas of the society I wasn't familiar with. It also helped me see Korea from a more objective perspective and better understand the cultural differences between Korea and France. Aussi, c'était très intéressant de découvrir les différentes façons de penser entre les Français et les Coréens sur certains sujets. 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are. Hello, it's Monday the 30th of January and welcome to a new week here on Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang-woo. The indoor mask mandate has been lifted in South Korea for all locations except high-risk facilities. We'll have more in news briefing shortly. Seoul is preparing to replace its city slogan, but the final list of candidates have failed to impress. We discuss Seoul's rebranding struggles for our in-depth today. And Son Eung-min has scored twice for the first time since October. We have more on that and the latest on the CAFE's search for a new head coach coming up on Monday Sports Roundup. We have all that and more on today's Korea 24. The indoor mask mandate has been lifted for the most part in South Korea. Changes are effective as of Monday. They are still required in select facilities, though. For more on this story and our other headlines from today, I'm joined in the studio by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Che. Daniel, hello. Hello there, jang So people in Korea can breathe a little easier today. Mask wearing is now only required at select high-risk facilities like hospitals and on public transportation. And in fact, authorities believe that even these restrictions could be lifted in the first half of the year. Can you tell us more? Right. Hope springs eternal that that day will come sooner than later. And starting 12 a.m. on Monday, authorities scrapped the indoor mask mandate that's been on for 27 long months. Hmm. Exceptions do apply to high-risk facilities such as nursing homes, hospitals, pharmacies, and public transport. It is recommended but not required in places like indoor sports facilities, schools, discount chains, and department stores, to name a few. However, it's still strongly advised for people at high risk of infection after having contact with a COVID-19 patient or those with symptoms inside closed-off, high-density locations or when there is group singing or cheering. Seniors age 60 and older are urged to get booster shots. The public should continue following basic quarantine rules, though, such as washing hands and regular ventilation. The daily virus tally was the lowest on Monday since last July. 
Chung Gisuk, the nation's chief advisor on infectious diseases, expects by May Korea will be ready for the second phase of mask mandate lifting, meaning mask wearing will not be required anywhere. Yes, but coming into the building today in KBS, uh, most people were still wearing their masks, it seems, from what I saw as well and from what uh, many others have been reporting. So it seems it is a sight that we will continue to see in Korea for the time being, it seems. Uh, Meanwhile, financial institutions, including banks, resumed pre-pandemic operating hours, but not everyone welcomed the change. That's right, Chang'o. It's been around a year and a half since shortened operating hours were implemented at banks uh, from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. were the operating hours. It was first uh, started in July 2021 when social distancing rules were tightened. Now banks can open at 9 a.m. and operate through 4 p.m. However, the labor union remains opposed to normalized hours, claiming the management unilaterally made this decision. They demand operating hours be reduced by 30 minutes while allowing some branches to operate past 4 p.m. The union plans to seek legal steps, including a court injunction against the operation normalization. Meanwhile, in late breaking news now, the World Health Organization has announced that they will retain the status of COVID-19 as a public health emergency of international concern. So it seems the international body is sending a message that it will remain cautious over the virus for now. Let's move on to other headlines now. The main opposition Democratic Party leader, Lee Jae-myung, says he will appear for another round of questioning by prosecutors regarding his alleged involvement in the Sungnam land development scandal. Can you tell us more? Well, on Monday in a meeting with reporters, uh, E accused the prosecution of abusing authority to concoct the case against him. He said despite the humiliation and unfairness, he will cooperate and that it is the price he has to pay for losing last year's presidential election. He also urged party officials, fellow lawmakers and his supporters not to accompany him to the questioning to avoid internal party discord and division. Yes, this is happening when already on Saturday, the DP chief underwent a marathon questioning session for allegedly giving preferential treatment to private investors and helping them reap profits from uh, development projects in Songnam. That's right. On that day, he was grilled for over 12 hours on corruption allegations surrounding property development projects. A probe team from the Seoul Central District Prosecutor's Office questioned Lee beginning at 10.30 a.m. on his alleged involvement in corrupt development projects in Daejangdong and Wire that began during his term as Sangnam City's mayor. Departing the prosecution's office at around 11 p.m. was Lee Jae-myung there. The DP chair said that he felt the prosecutors were engaging in politics, not investigation, and added he could not help but feel that the prosecution was fabricating the case in order to indict him. The prosecution said in a statement that the questioning ended at around 9 p.m. Meanwhile, the presidential office has announced that it will file a defamation complaint against an opposition lawmaker for allegations regarding First Lady Kim Gani. In a notice to the media on Monday, the top office said it plans to submit the libel complaint to the police against DP lawmaker and spokesperson Kim Yugyum. Kim, in a written statement issued last Friday, re- reiterated long-held claims by the main opposition that the First Lady was involved in a stock price manipulation case of Deutsche Motors and BMW car dealer in South Korea, uh, saying that her name was mentioned at least 300 times during a related trial. The lawmaker also made fresh accusations that Kim's bank account was used in another case of stock price manipulation involving Uri technology. The top office said the claims were groundless, false, and malicious, adding that the allegations involving Uri technology were never filed with the Financial Supervisory Service, never investigated, nor had a related case sent to trial. 
it added that simply having traded certain stocks 13 years ago cannot be the basis of stock price manipulation allegation. Moving on, a recent survey by Gallup Korea shows 7 out of 10 South Koreans see the need for the country to unilaterally develop nuclear weapons. Can you tell us more? Well, this is the result of a survey of 1,000 people conducted by Gallup Korea released on Monday. shows 76.6% of respondents agreed on the need for such unilateral nuclear weapons development. The poll carried out between November 28th and December 16th was commissioned by the Che Institute for Advanced Studies. 61.6% said they lack understanding of the country's response strategy against North Korea's nuclear threats. 78.6% said Pyongyang will likely push ahead with its seventh nuclear test. Do they believe Washington would use nuclear deterrence should a war break out on the peninsula? 51.3% replied yes. 48.7% said no. 71.9% views the possibility of trilateral security cooperation with Washington and Tokyo positively. 28.1% gave a negative response. And amid this public sentiment, the foreign affairs and defense chiefs of South Korea and the U.S. will hold a series of meetings in Seoul and Washington this week. Government officials announced Sunday U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin will sit down for talks with his South Korean counterpart Lee Jong-sub in Seoul on Tuesday. The duo will likely discuss cooperation on responding to North Korea's provocations, including another nuclear test and ways to reinforce the execution of the U.S. extended deterrence. Also likely topping the agenda, preparations for a tabletop exercise led by the Allies Deterrence Strategy Committee scheduled to kick off, kick off next month. A foreign minister Park Chin is set to visit Washington this week. He is seeking to meet his American counterpart Antony Blinken on Friday, in addition to holding talks with senior officials of the National Security Council. Blinken is scheduled to visit China from Sunday. Meanwhile, the NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg is in town. He urged South Korea to provide military assistance to Ukraine during a special lecture held here in Seoul. Can you tell us more? Well, the event was on Monday. It was hosted by the Che Institute for Advanced Studies. Stoltenberg said some countries in the past had retracted from a ban on arms exports to a country at war. Expressing gratitude regarding Seoul's economic assistance to Ukraine, the NATO chief called on Korea to offer military support, but added the decision is up to Seoul. He referred to Germany, Sweden, and Norway, changing the respective policies, saying the decision was made after such countries realized that was the only way to support democracy, help Ukraine win, and to create lasting peace. While willing to offer humanitarian and economic assistance to Ukraine, for now the South Korean government maintains the position of not providing lethal weapons. President Yoon also had a meeting with the NATO chief and discussed mainly Korea's Indo-Pacific strategy and the North Korean nuclear issue. He said he will continue to cooperate with the international community to help the Ukrainian people. And finally, the basic taxi fare in Seoul will increase to 4,801, an unwelcome change at a time of high inflation and soaring heating bills for Koreans here. Well, according to the Seoul City government on Monday, the base fare for mid-sized cabs will rise by 1,001 from February 1st. The initial minimum distance for the base fare will also be shortened to 1.6 kilometers from 2 kilometers. After the base fare, 101 will be charged for every 131 meters instead of the current 132. This comes when last month, as part of efforts to increase nighttime taxi services, the city also allowed cab drivers to charge a nighttime surcharge earlier, from 10 p.m. instead of midnight. The city government's decision comes amid growing complaints about a shortage of cabs in Seoul sparked by the pandemic. Following taxi fares, the first subway and bus fare hikes in nearly a decade are also pending. 
That's all for our news briefing today. Daniel, thank you for those updates. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. The city slogan, Eyes Hole You, is set to be retired by the Seoul Metropolitan Government. An online vote is underway for the public to choose between four new slogans. But despite the reported efforts that have been made to reach these final candidates, the general consensus, particularly among foreign communities, is that they have once again underwhelmed. Tell us more about this latest rebranding effort, as well as why Korean cities look to change their so- slogans so frequently. We have joining us on the line now, Lee Herin, a reporter for the Korea Times, who's been covering this topic. Ms. Lee, hello and welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for your time today. Let's first talk about the history of slogans for Seoul. Can you walk us through the array of slogans that the capital city has had over the years? Okay, sure. So Korea has a relatively short history of city slogans, and Seoul was the first city to have one here. The first time that Seoul um, had a slogan in Korea was in 2002, and that was the year that Korea jointly um, hosted the FIFA World Cup with Japan. Mm. The conservative mayor, Lee Myung-bak, who later served as the president between 2008 and 2013, first presented the slogan, Hi Seoul, and the goal of introducing the slogan was to make the city more global and known to the world. Mm. And um, the slogan, Hi Seoul, was the city's symbol for 13 years, and his successor, Mayor Oh Se-hun, who is now also serving again as the city mayor, decided to keep it and made a minor upgrade, and he added Seoul, Seoul of Asia to it. So at the time, the slogan was also faced some criticism for being incomprehensible to English speakers. Mm. Then in 2015, Park Won-soon, the next mayor, who then came from a liberal side of the politics and later joined the Democratic Party of Korea, presented this controversial I hold you during his second term as the city mayor. After about using I Seoul You as city slogan for eight years, right. the city decided to change it again because at the time it, it was criticized and it's still criticized for not being appealing enough or competitive enough to attract foreign travelers or global investors. So here we are now um, waiting for what our sure. next slogan is going to be. Sure, that's I Seoul You, that's the letter U. Uh, so a play on the phrase, I love you, I guess, but with this whole instead of love. And it certainly raised quite a few eyebrows when it was introduced, as you said. Can you tell us a little bit more about the reaction to the slogan? Right. So the I told you slogan um, raised quite a controversy because simply it sounds nonsensical, especially it's in English, and for an English speaker, it doesn't make much sense, and mm. it makes us wonder what does Seoul mean as a verb. But when the Seoul government announced I told you as the new slogan, the official explanation they provided was that it is not a verb, Seoul is not a verb, but the slogan is a series of three nouns, I, Seoul, and you. 
and it should mean that Seoul is a city of harmony and balance where many different people coexist in harmony. Mm. So Seoul is between I and you as two people. Yes. So as uh, you said, it was particularly controversial, I think, for uh, foreign people in the English-speaking community uh, because of that bizarre uh, grammatical structure or it seemed like it had a bizarre grammatical structure and it became a target of much mockery. So I think that a lot of people had been waiting for Seoul to change it and understand that actually the latest process to change the slogan and branding began, in fact, a year ago now. And after a long process, four candidates were announced late last year. They are Seoul for you, Amazing Seoul, Seoul my soul, as in S-O-U-L, and Make It Happens Whole. So, Ms. E, can you tell us about these four slogans and the meanings behind them as well? Okay, sure. So, Seoul for you is supposed to mean that the city can provide everything that we need. Seoul is a city for everyone. Um, it also goes along with the city's governing harmony, which mm. is that it should accompany the vulnerable in our society. So, it's like we leave nobody behind in the mm. city. Second one, Amazing Seoul, should mean that Seoul is amazing for being Korea's center of tradition, culture, art. It's center of everything that Korea can offer. Um, Seoul, my soul, they said it should mean that Seoul fills soul of whoever is living or visiting the city. And it kind of reminds foreigners of a bit of the last slogan, High Seoul, Soul of Asia. There was some of the positive feedbacks about the, this mm. candidate slogan. Um, lastly, make it happen whole is supposed to highlight the dynamic atmosphere of the city. It, they try to convey the message that in Seoul, anything can happen. Everybody can make anything happen. Well, that's the explanation co- uh, provided by the government. Right. And how did Seoul come up with these candidates? According to the city government, these four options are selected from hundreds of ideas they received from an open survey. And thousands of people living in Korea or outside of Korea participated to to help the city find a better slogan. Mm. And since the government reached the consensus that they need to replace the controversial I saw you and come up with a better one in last August, they formed a team of city brand experts for the slogan development. So out of these hundreds of ideas from the public, they came up with the four best ones. And that's what we have for the open vote now. And so I hinted in the introduction, can you tell us what's been the reaction to these four slogans? So the public's reaction to the four new candidate slogans was not very positive, Mm. despite the city government's effort. Korean people who participated in the survey left in the comments that these four options do not represent the city, and there are, many people thought they were poorly made. And many people even uh, questioned, why don't we have an option to keep using ISOLU because they were not too happy with the new ones. Right. Many of the foreigners I talked with from different nationalities who either live in Korea or who have visited Korea multiple times as travelers, they also said the city government should have could have come up with the better ones. And they were um, asking why didn't the city government consult with English speakers to make the options more English-friendly and understandable.
Right, so people have been largely disappointed with the slogans, and so much so, in fact, as you said, uh, some have even said that the city should keep its current slogan, Ice Hole You, as uh, I guess people have grown used to it after eight years and have uh, developed a sort of affection for its uh, uniqueness, shall we say. Which yeah. brings us to our next question. Why does Seoul keep changing its slogan? Uh, Mizzy, the city is looking to essentially have its fourth slogan in 21 years. Why the drive to keep changing? So it's not only about Seoul, but in Korea in general. The city slogans still seem to have some strong connection with politics. We tend to, there is no rule, but we tend to change city slogans every time, not every time, but, sorry, I'll go again. So in Korea, the history of slogans is relatively short, and the city, the city slogans still have seem to have some strong connections with politics. They t- keep, tend to change city slogans with the change of mayors, mm. and that as the history of Seoul city, uh, Seoul city slogans show, they we change we had new slogans every time we had a new mayor or every time. A different party took over the um, over the power of the government. Right. The slogans should represent the essence of the city's cultural and I- cultural identity and history, theoretically in our mind. But for the past decades, in Korea at least, they seem to reflect more of what these new mayors want to do, how they are different from their predecessors, and what are their ambitions and goals during the four years of term. So the problem is that, yeah, although ideally we should find a slogan that really sticks to our minds and represent the city like I love New York, it's not too easy. The new mayors, every time we have a new mayor, we tend to have new slogans that represent their ambition. Mm. So there is a political aspect to this situation. Uh, the situation, as you mentioned, is not just confined to Seoul. The southern port city of Busan just announced its new city slogan as well, which also has uh, courted some ridicule among English speakers again. Can you tell us more about that situation as well? You're right. So Busan's situation is not too different. Um, Busan, as you know, is Korea's second largest city, and it's now running for the bid to host the World Expo in 2030. 2030. So the city government really needs to wants to find a good one that can represent the city to the world. Um, the Busan used dynamic Busan as a city slogan for over 20 years, and they decided to find a better one to replace it to make the city more appealing for the global audience. And they went through a similar process of finding, going through um, a public survey, collecting ideas from the public um, online vote. And just a few weeks ago, they announced that their new slogan is Busan is good. Well, the three candidate slogans they had were Bridge for All Busan, True Place Busan, and Busan is good. Um, all these three were similarly criticized and made fun of, like the mm. ones with whole slogans candidates are right now. But yes, that's what we have. Busan is good. Is their new new slogan? About over twenty five thousand people participated in a vote over a month right. to come up with to together decide what their new slogan is going to be. Right. 
And the city government uh, explained that they chose Busan is good because it was the most popular, because because more people voted for it, Mm. and also because it's highly applicable in many circumstances, like Busan is good for this, Busan is good for that. Sure, there that does the also reason, yeah. be see, there does also seem to be a bit of a, a mistranslation as well. The Korean is Busanida Jota. So it's it's good because it's Busan would be a perhaps more accurate translation, although of course uh, that doesn't quite uh, work as a slogan. Uh, but the translation they came up with in the end is Busan is good, which is uh, understandably uh, has been a source of uh, some ridicule. So exactly. then, That's why the whole brand, um, city brand development process in Korea in general, I think, are criticized for not mm. having much consults, um, right. uh, having opinions of the foreigners involved. It's a shame it keeps happening. You see, what conclusions have experts or commentators or those you've spoken to, uh, what have they said about how we can resolve this sort of situation? What can be done for Seoul or any other city to come up with uh, better slogans, particularly in English? So experts that I talked to agree that changing city slogans too often cannot be good because it takes extensive amount of money and manpower to do it. And it also makes us very confusing. If we keep changing city slogans every once in a while, we have so many cities in Korea, people will be confused what they really are meant to represent. And also, the since, like you said, city slogans are meant to... Um, be more appealing to the foreign tourists, foreign travelers, and foreigners visiting Korea. We sh- the experts agree that they should be more um, foreigners involved in this independent expert panel that develops and develops city slogans. We should not only think of, come up with a good idea in Korean, but also come up with a better translation hmm. or better English wording to express what it's meant to present. Well, in the meantime, the online vote for the Seoul slogan ends tomorrow, Tuesday. We'll see which candidate has won the vote and how Seoul will look to adopt it in the months to come. We'll leave it there. We've been speaking to reporter Lee Hedin from The Korea Times. Thank you once again for your time today. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index fell 33.55 points or 1.35% on Monday to close the day at 2,450.47. The tech-heavy Kostak also fell, losing 2.63 points or 0.35% to close the day at 738.62. On the foreign exchange, the local currency strengthened 3.91 against the U.S. dollar, closing the day at 1,227.41. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. Next up, it's Korea Trending, our daily segment where we take a look at some of the other news headlines that have been trending online today. And for that, we have Diane Yu once again joining us in the studio. Diane, hello. It's good to see you. Hello, Dango. Thanks for having me. Yes. So what topics do you have for us today? First, we'll talk about a police station in Busan apologizing for one of its precincts kicking out an elderly woman. Then we'll talk about five Russian men left abandoned at Incheon International Airport after the Justice Ministry refused to review their applications for refugee status. Finally, we'll find out which agency had signed actor Park Bo-gom on an exclusive contract. Okay, let's get straight into that first story then. Can you tell us more? 
The chief of the Busan Dongbu police station has released a statement of apology after one of its precincts kicked out an elderly woman who had come in to avoid the cold weather. In a statement issued on Saturday, Kang Irung said he is deeply sorry to the public for causing disappointment. He said the station is deeply regretful over the incident and vowed to shed light on what happened and take necessary measures depending on the findings. The statement comes after the incident caused public outrage and the precinct in question was bombarded with complaints over the, over the matter. Okay, so walk us through what happened exactly. Mm -hmm. On December 14th, a woman in her 70s who had visited Busan to see a friend in the hospital missed the last train back to Seoul. She had sought out the precinct at a little past midnight after she ran out of money and to avoid the freezing weather. CCTV footage that was released showed that after 40 minutes of sitting on the station's couch, the woman was being uh, seen being dragged out of the precinct by her arm by a police officer. The footage also showed another officer locking the door behind her. Wow, well, that seems very heartless. Uh, what became of the woman after she was kicked out? Fortunately, she was able to hitch a ride to another police station some three kilometers away, where she was provided with a blanket and a heater. She was able to get on the first train back to Seoul after staying in that other precinct. Late last month, the elderly woman filed a complaint against the officers of the precinct at the center of controversy. The Busanjin police station began to look into the case on January 18th. Right, I was going to say that I wouldn't expect police stations in Korea to act uh, like the one from earlier. I wouldn't mm -hmm. say that was representative from what we know of uh, Korean police forces. Right. And the second one seems to show that. Was there any explanation given on why the elderly woman was kicked out from that first police precinct? Well, the precinct claims that it had no choice but to make her leave after she was verbally abusive to the officers and after it became concerned that she and the officers could engage in a heated argument. The woman had denied the claim, saying in the complaint she filed that she had simply asked the officers to treat her kindly after pointing out that she was not a homeless person. According to the woman, the police officers were rude and treated like she was homeless. Okay, so perhaps the officers might feel a little aggrieved, but mm -hmm. I think many listeners will be thinking that even if she was homeless, they acted harshly to kick her out into the cold right. night. Uh, certainly a not not a good look for the precinct, and we understand why there was an apology earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on to our second story then. What do you have for us? A South Korean court will rule on Tuesday on a case involving five Russian men whose applications for refugee status were denied. These five men have been left abandoned at Incheon International Airport for months after fleeing their country to avoid being drafted to fight in Ukraine. The men's lawyer, Lee Jong-chan, told CNN on Saturday that the men were stranded after the Justice Ministry refused to review their applications for refugee status. He said the men are provided with one meal a day and cannot leave the departure and duty-free areas. Yes, the situation is reminiscent of the 2004 Tom Hanks film, of course, The Terminal. Right. It is essentially the same situation, mm -hmm. but of course far less romantic right. and far more distressing. Uh, what was the reason for their applications to be turned down? According to E, the ministry deemed the five men's applications as not being worthy of evaluation on the basis that refusal of conscription was not a reason for refugee recognition. The men appealed the ministry's decision. 
He said the man's refusal of conscription should be recognized as a political reason, given that Russia's invasion of Ukraine was condemned by international law. The report cited that South Korean rights groups have also called on the government to accept the men as refugees, referring to them as political refugees who face persecution. One of the groups stated that those who apply for refugee status upon uh, upon escaping political and religious persecution from their home countries, have rights to pro- protection under international law. OK, so what happens if the court rules in favour of the men? So if the court rules their cases are worthy of evaluation, the Justice Ministry will then have to review the men's applications for refugee status. Three of the five men faced their first ruling on Tuesday. According to CNN, soldiers who refuse to fight and return to the front line are reportedly held in basement in occupied Ukrainian territory and face charges of desertion. Men up to the age of 60 with no criminal records are eligible for military conscription. Yes, thankfully there are worse airports that you could be stuck in. Incheon Airport is notoriously nice and clean, but still I can't imagine what it'd be like to spend several months there, particularly with their status in such limbo. Mm -hmm. Hopefully uh, their status can be resolved quickly. Let's move on to our final story. What do you have for us? The South Korean actor Park Bo-gum has signed with the Blake label with an affiliate of YG Entertainment established by top record producer Teddy. The agency announced on Monday that it signed a management contract with Park, who is beloved by the public for his works, both in film and TV dramas. It added that it's thrilled to have the actor, who is a wielding influence not only at home, but also globally on board. It then vowed to fully support Park so that he can further foster his charm and talents <laughs> which is described as being of great diversity. Yes, I understand that uh, this came amid rumours that uh, Park was likely to pick YG Entertainment mm-hmm. as his new home. Yes, such rumours surfaced due to Park's close relationship with Sean, who is a member of YG's hip-hop duo, Jinushan. With the new contract, Park left Blossom Entertainment after 10 years. The actor has joined an agency that houses many singers, including Taeyang of the K-pop group Kick Big Bang, Zion T, uh, Chan Somi, and RT. The agency plans to expand its scope of business, launching full-scale projects on managing actors. It's interesting that he's joined an agency with so many singers, as I believe he sings quite well himself Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. plays the piano very well as well. Perhaps he's looking to expand that side of his career, maybe. (laughs) Perhaps, Um, yes. Just me speculating, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if he does get involved in any collaborations, maybe. Right. Uh, But anyway, in the meantime, uh, will fans be able to see Pac on screen anytime soon? Yes, they will. He is set to appear in director Kim Tae-yong's latest movie, Wonderland, scheduled to hit theaters this year. Park debuted in 2011 with the film Blind. He rose to stardom by starring in the TV series Reply 1988 and Love in the Moonlight. OK, we'll wrap it up there for today's Career Trending. Thank you for those stories and we'll see you next time. See you tomorrow. We continue on now to Monday Sports Roundup, our weekly update on the latest sporting results, developments and previews. And joining us on the line now for that is our trusted contributor, sports journalist Yu Ho from the Yanap News Agency. Jiho, hello. It's uh, great to speak to you again. Yeah, it's great to be here too. OK, let's get cracking and we begin with football this week. That's because Tottenham Hotspur's Son Heung-min scored twice to help the team reach the next round of the FA Cup. 
Now, Jihor, playing against Preston North End in the league below was unlikely to cause many problems for Spurs and Son, but uh, I think many fans sighed a sigh of relief when Son scored his uh, first multi-goal performance since October last year because uh, he's been really struggling for goals this season, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. And, you know, I think he will take any goals he can get. Uh, It doesn't matter whether it's against... uh a second-tier team like Preston North End or, you know, whoever, right? Uh, as mm. long as he can find the back of the net, I think he will take it at this point. And he really needed this kind of performance, carrying Spurs to a 3 0 victory with his brace. Uh, they're into the uh, the next round, next phase at the FA Cup. And the last time Son had more than one goal in a match uh, came in October last year in a Champions League match. And he's got eight goals in 27 matches in all competitions this season. That's a far cry from 24 that he had in 45 matches a season ago, including 23 in the Premier League alone in his Golden Boot campaign. Uh, you know, in the league play this year, he's only got four goals, and they've only come in two matches. He's played 19 matches, had the one hat-trick once, and had a, had a goal in the other game. So he has not scored in 17 of the 19 matches that he played in the league. So it's been a very down year for him, to say the least. Uh, but uh, it's never too late to, you know, start building start building some confidence. Mm. There's about I think four months left in the season, right? So there's uh, I don't think he's gonna you know win the Golden Boot at this point, but uh, there's still I think enough time to salvage this campaign for Son Heung-min. Sure, hopefully it can be a platform for Son and the team to try and improve their performances, especially in the Premier League where they are struggling to keep up with the top of the table. Sticking with football, but turning to the Korean national team now, the former Algeria head coach, Vahid Halilhodzic, is the latest name to emerge in South Korea's continued search for Palo Bento's successor. Jiwa, I believe this is one of the few names that we know who have been contacted by the Korea Football Association, right? Right. He's the latest name. Uh, Holly Holzic uh, told the media in his native Bosnia and uh, Herzegovina over the weekend that he recently got a call from the Korea Football Association. It was a brief conversation, according to him, and he said he's been fielding calls from some other pro clubs as well. So Holly Holzic uh, is a familiar name for Korean football fans. He coached Algeria to a 4-2 victory over Korea during the group stage at the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. So that loss basically sealed Korea's fate at the time. Uh, Korea wanted to lose to Belgium the next game to be sent home from the group stage. And Holly Holzic was considered for a Korean job after that year's World Cup, too. And he's always been a fiery guy. Uh, he's not been getting along great with the national federations of the teams that he coached or even the media. And, uh, and I remember sitting at the uh, 2014 World Cup presser before the Korean match mm. when he and uh, members of the uh, Algerian media uh, basically fought for 10 minutes <laughs> and leaving everybody else kind of in awkward position. Uh, and, you know, he was fired as the uh, coach of Côte d'Ivoire four months before the World Cup in 2010. He was sacked two months before the 2018 World Cup by Japan. And this last World Cup in Qatar, he was uh, let go from the Moroccan job three months before the tournament. And, of course, Morocco without him, you know, went on to the semifinals in the tournament. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, you know, I guess one, Two, two different ways to look at it. He's either fiery, very um, short temper, or he's a very passionate guy. Mm. So um, uh, he's another, again, the latest name to kind of float around uh, as the uh, potential uh, new coach for Korea. 
We've got someone like Jose Bordelas, who once coached Valencia, uh, Igangin, his former team, and former Brazilian uh, head coach, uh, Tite, and also former hamburger coach, uh, Thorsten Fink, who worked with Sony when Sony was starting out in Bundesliga. Yeah, so a lot of names being mentioned. There was even talk at one point, I think, of the exciting and highly lauded coach Marcelo Bielsa. I would have been Mm -hmm. very curious to see what he brings to the national team. But how close do you think we are to having someone named now? Because uh, the national team games, they're coming up quite soon in March, right? They're coming up, I think, late in March, right? There's going to be a window, the FIFA window, with uh, potentially Uruguay. Uh, coming to Korea to play, kind of a rematch after the World Cup in Qatar. Um, yeah, but if they're not uh, close to naming one, they should be by now because their initial goal, initial target was to name the new coach sometime in February. And mm. we're sitting here at the end of January. Uh, hopefully, they're going to speed things up if they haven't done it already. Uh, I think they, my understanding is they're trying to keep this kind of as close to the vest as possible. Mm. Uh, you know, they're not confirming any reports. They're not you know, they're not denying necessarily any reports, but they're not confirming any of the names that have been mentioned in media outside of Korea. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. I think uh, they want to keep this, again, very as quiet as possible and then uh, make the announcement when they're ready to do so. Yes, uh, Korean football fans are eagerly waiting to see who will be appointed and how they will shape the national team moving forward. So let's hope they come up with their names soon. Okay, let's shift gears to short track speed skating now. Victor An, the former Russian Olympic champion, born An Hyunsu in Korea, has failed in his bid to take a club coaching job in Korea. We reported on Korea Trending a few weeks ago that he was interested in coming back to his native country. So, Jiho, what's the latest on this story? Yeah, so the latest is Victor An or An Hyunsu uh, did not make the final cut after interviewing for an open coaching position at the Sungnam City Hall's semi pro club. Uh, he was in for an interview earlier this month. Uh, again, did not make it to the next stage. He used to actually skate for this team way back when. Uh, of course, he won three gold medals for Korea in 20, 2006 in Turin. And after missing the 2010 Olympics with an injury, he competed in 2014 in Sochi for Russia uh, and won three gold medals for them. And there were some controversial circumstances leading to his departure or some might say defection uh, to Russia. And then he missed 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang for reasons that remain unclear to this day. Uh, some speculate there are some uh, uh, banned substance uh, issues there, mm. but we'll never know. With Beijing last year in the, in the Olympics in China, he was on the Chinese coaching staff, along with former Korea head coach Kim Sun-tae, who would also apply for this Sungnam job with Han Yun-soo. Uh, he also did not make the final cut. Now, with Victor Ryan especially, he faced a lot of backlash from the Korean public and also uh, the Korean skating coaches, when it was first reported that he was interested in job here, uh, you know, some people, I guess many people still see him as kind of a traitor. Even mm. he willingly, re- willingly renounced his Korean citizenship a few years ago, and now he wants to come back here and make money. Doesn't sit well with a lot of people here. And also the fact that he coached China last year, and China being one of Korea's bitter rivals in short track speed skating, uh, just the optics not great for Anyun at this point to try to get a job in Korea after all he's done for other countries in, in the recent past. Indeed, there were some contentious races uh, against China at the Beijing Olympics, of course. Uh, I also think Anne has found out how long the Korean public can hold a crudge, uh, whether justified or not. Mm. But uh, in any case, it looks like he won't be coming back to Korea anytime soon then. 
Okay, more in winter sports. The Korean skeleton slider Chang Sung-gi captured bronze medal at the World Championships in Switzerland last uh, last week. Uh, This was his first podium finish at a World Championship. And it's a welcome result for Korea's sledding sports, right, Jiho, after the nation has uh, somewhat struggled to progress from the 2018 Pyeongchang Winter Olympics. Right. That was the high mark for Korea in its sledding sports, winning a couple of medals, including gold by Yoon Sung-bin in skeleton. Now, with Yoon having taken high edits from the track, Chung Sung-gi has emerged as the next big thing. Uh, posted a time of 4 minutes, 31.17 seconds combined after four races at the World Championships. Uh, good enough for bronze medal. In three previous appearances, he had been 9th, 16th, and 20th at the Worlds. And now he's just 23 years old. 10th at the Olympics last year in Beijing, uh, but collected two silver medals and one bronze medal in the first three World Cups of this ongoing season and was able to build on that to grab his first podium finish at the World Championship. Uh, again, pretty welcoming new, welcoming bit of news with Yoon Sung-min out of the picture. Uh, Korea has been wanting, I guess he's been waiting for the next uh, next uh, next man to mm. really step up and Chung Sung-gi looks like he's going to be it. OK, we'll have to wrap it up there. Ji-ho, thank you for those updates. Have a great week and we'll talk to you again next time. OK, you too. Thanks for having me. Did you enjoy this segment? You can discover more segments like this throughout the week on Korea 24. On Monday, we bring you news from the world of sports around the peninsula. Then on Tuesday, notable guests from various fields join us and give us insight into their lives and work. Are you a fan of books? Then tune in on Wednesday for Korea Book Club, where our book critic helps us unpack works by Korean authors or written on Korea. Go on an adventure with us every Thursday as we take a look at Korea's hidden gems with Explore Korea. And on Friday, listen to what our film critics have to say about the latest movie releases from both home and abroad. We have all that you need, all in one place, on Korea 24. It's time now for our closing segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some interesting features, reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers. And for that, our staff editor, Richard Larkin, has joined us now in the studio. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Hello. Good to see you too. OK, so what do you have in store for us today? First, we'll head to the culture section of the Korea Herald. Park Yuna's article gives us information about the controversial artist Maurizio Catalan's exhibition that is being held at Lium Museum of Art. The exhibition is called We... It officially opens tomorrow and it will run through July 16th. OK, so before we look at what can be found at the exhibition, can you tell us why the artist is seen as controversial? Sure. The artist displayed a sculpture called Him back in 2001 at his exhibition in Sweden. The sculpture is of Adolf Hitler kneeling on the floor with his hands together as if he's asking for forgiveness. Ah, Yes, the sculpture was not well received. Yes, I can see why that would be considered controversial. One of the most recent controversies came in 2019 when one of the artist's pieces was shown at the Art Basel Miami Beach show. It was called Comedian, and the artwork was a banana that was duct taped to a wall. It was sold for 120,000 US dollars. Right. The banana was actually taken by a performance artist and was eaten at a later time. Yes, I do remember that story. There was a lot of coverage about it, uh, yes, just a few years ago. So then let's talk about the exhibition in Korea. What can we expect there? 
The artist's 38 works from three decades will be on display. This also includes the sculpture I talked about earlier and the comedian piece. Right. Okay. So they're both here in Korea. Interesting. Yes. This will be his largest show since 2011. And the article says that his hyper-realistic pieces are Chaplin style and there are many humorous yet satirical works. For any of our listeners who are thinking of going but are trying to save money, the exhibition is free, so you don't have to worry about the cost. And as I mentioned earlier, the exhibition could be found at Liam Museum of Art until July 16th. OK, so, yes, it sounds like quite a compelling <laughs> exhibition, to say the least. It certainly sounds like a, it's going to trigger some emotions for the people mm. who go. But I guess it could be quite fun as well uh, to see all that uh, in person. OK, let's move on to our second story. What do you have for us? Another exhibition in Seoul has caught my eye and information about it can be found in Park and Seoul's article in the Entertainment and Arts section of the Korea Times. Artist Park Min-Joon's solo exhibition X is currently being held at Gallery Hyundai in central Seoul. And oil paintings that have a mix of surreal fantasy and 15th century Renaissance art are on display. OK, so tell us more about the art that is on display. Altogether, there are 40 oil paintings, drawings and sculptures. The article mentions that the artist has created two fictional universes that have otherworldly spectacles, such as exotic circus troops and a maestro who sacrificed himself to bring to life the humans he had painted. It's very interesting creative mm. work. This is not the first time that Park has incorporated Renaissance art in his works. He started his career with his own spin on Renaissance and Baroque masterpieces. He also painted Greek mythological figures with the physical features of East Asian people. Okay, so Punk likes to use old styles of painting as inspiration then when creating his own pieces. It looks that way. The artist said that if he adds his own surreal element to an actual place like New York in his paintings, then he feels like it becomes his own space. That can be seen in one of his paintings that is on display. It's called Strange Land and the location seems to be Central Park, but in the middle there is a person with an animal's head. The exhibition can be seen until February 5th. Okay, so two very interesting uh, <laughs> exhibitions on display here in Korea. Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Richard, thank you for those stories, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. And that's where we wrap it up. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back same time tomorrow. So do join us again then to continue to get your daily dose of Korean news analysis. Till then, we hope you have a great day. I've been your host, Kwon jang and thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye.